0: Well, church family, we want to continue worshiping by reading God's word together. And if you have a copy of the scriptures, and I hope that you do, if there's ever been a Sunday where you want to read along, today is the day. So there are Bibles in the back. If you want to grab one, uh, I, I was so encouraged. One of our college students grabbed one, and they contacted me like, "Hey, I took one of these Bibles home with me, uh, and I bought my own. Can I bring it back?" And I said, "Sure, give it away or bring it back here." So we always make that invitation known to you. Grab one of those. But we're going to be in Isaiah chapter seven today. In Isaiah chapter seven today, and there's some things in Scripture that I want you to be able to see and to go back to before Christmas morning, so that you will have encouragement about maybe what you're going through or what you will be going through, so that you can find hope and peace in the person of Jesus. I don't know if you've had a good week or a bad week. I read about some people that have had a bad week. Um, I don't know if you saw the story out of Berlin, Germany, about the aquadome that collapsed. Anybody read this story about the aquadome it was manufactured by a materials company in the United States it's inside a Radisson in Berlin if you were planning to take a trip into a Radisson in Berlin well you're in trouble because one of the things that happened is this is over 246,000 gallons of water it's a huge aquarium it's circular in nature and the elevator, there's an elevator that goes up in the middle of it where you can look at 1,500 different types of fish, over 400 to 500 different species of fish. It's in the lobby of this hotel, and it was built over 20 years ago. It was refurbished two years ago. And one of the things that happened was that at about 3 a.m. in the morning this past week, one of these mornings, it just absolutely shattered and broke. The walls collapsed, and a million liters of water flooded the lobby and rooms and banquet halls and absolutely 1,500 different fish that did not make it and languished right there in the lobby floor. I mean, you read something like that. I don't know if you've had a bad week. The Radisson in Berlin had a bad week. Now, they say that the reason it broke was because of material stress. The polymer, the material it was made of, exploded. It just it couldn't handle it. I, I, look, I, I'm dead serious. I'm illustrating something in culture to, to maybe make a connection with you on a human level. Maybe as you get ready for Christmas morning, like you, you, you're materially, like you are stressed. That You're about to implode or explode. Maybe you can identify with that. Maybe you, you resonate with that story in the sense that like may, maybe something's happened. And you don't know where to start with the cleanup. I thought these dudes got it. The first call, Surf pro. That's what you're calling first. Like, where do you start with that? They said they're thrilled that it happened at 3 a.m. when people weren't sitting in the lobby eating. But, but like, think, think about where do you even start? Who do you call? What do you do when there is a disaster or a mess? And one of the realities of Emmanuel, God with us, is that God is always, especially in the good times, and, yes, in the disastrous times in our life, God is always speaking to humanity He's always trying to make himself known, and he's always extending an invitation. Hey, if you'll trust me, I can help you with this, and I can do better with it than you can. And I, I don't want you to just think that's pastor speak or that's something I thought up. Like, I want you to see where this is true. So one of the things I want us to do is I want us to read the first nine verses of Isaiah 7, and I want you to remain seated, and I want you to follow along with me. I'm going to read it and talk to you a little bit about what's happening to help us appreciate a man named Ahaz who was in one of those disastrous moments where he didn't know where to turn and what to do next. Verse 1 says this. This, all of what we're reading up to this point in Isaiah, this took place during the reign of Ahaz, that's the king of Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel. During the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Aram, king Rezan, and Israel's king Pekah, so there are two kingdoms and two kings, son of Ramaliah, They went to fight against Jerusalem. Jerusalem is in Judah. And we just saw that Ahaz is the king of Judah. So in just the first verse of this passage, here's the king of Judah, who's got two neighboring nations that, what does it say? They went out to fight against this man and his kingdom. But the Bible says they weren't able to conquer it. Verse 2. When it became known to the house of David, that's Ahaz and his leaders, the, the Davidic leaders, the court, the leadership. When it became known to them that Aram or the Arameans had occupied Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the hearts of his people trembled like trees of a forest shaking in the wind. We have hackberries and oaks behind our house along the fence line and when the winds blow really strong and hard, they, they bend I've watched our neighbors' trees bend in the wind, almost to a forty-five degree. Like scary. The Bible says this king of Judah, when he realized that two other kings wanted to attack him, he he Isaiah says he and his entire leadership group they were so fearful they shook like trees in a storm. That was their emotional state. Have you, you ever been there? Never been there? Like again, you're not sure what to do and. There's hardships or challenges in front of you. Look, look at what it says here in verse 3. So the Lord said to Isaiah, I love this. When you're afraid and you're scared, God sees you and he is already always moving to reveal himself to you. The Lord said to Isaiah in verse 3, go out with your son, Sheer Jashub, Isaiah's son, to meet Ahaz at the end of the conduit of the upper pool. By the road to the launderer's field. So in other words, like go out to this specific location and I want you to intersect Ahaz. Find him out there. And when you find him there, here's what I want you to say in verse four. Say to him, calm down and be quiet. That's the Lord's pleasant way through Isaiah of saying, close your mouth, stop panicking and asking others what you should do. And be still. You only need to cease and be still. And that sounds counterintuitive to most of us. Like that's the plan, that's the strategy. Just cease striving and know that there's a God and he's trying to talk to you. But here's the invitation today for December 18th, 2022. He's saying that to someone in this room. Stop with your striving. Stop asking your boss what you should do. You have a mentor or a pastor that you respect. Great. Even before you ask them, have have you closed your mouth, sat down, and listened for my voice. I, I think that's what God's saying today to somebody in the room. And, and look at what it says to him. When, when you do that, it's not God like, here I am, scary. What does he say? He said, don't be afraid or be cowardly. Don't be afraid or be cowardly because of these two smoldering sticks. That's what he refers to these kingdoms, the Arameans and those in Damascus and Syria that were this other kingdom here, don't be concerned about these two little bitty blips on the historic radar, okay? Instead, what does it say in verse 5? For Aram, along with Ephraim and the son of Ramalia, has plotted harm against you. Yes. And they say, let us go up to Judah and terrorize Ahaz and conquer it for ourselves, and then we can install Tabul's son. Like we, We can put in charge whoever we want to. Verse 7, but this is what the Lord God says, it will not happen. It will not occur. The chief of Aram is Damascus, which is modern-day Syria, and the chief city of Damascus is Rezin. But within 65 years of this, what I'm telling you right now, Ephraim will be too shattered to even be a people. And the chief of Ephraim in Samaria, and the chief city of Samaria is the son of Ramalia. I know that's a lot. That's a lot of history. That's a lot of context. But in other words, you really don't need to panic about what you see culturally. I've got that. I know how human history plays out. What I'm asking you to do is be quiet, sit still, listen for my voice, and trust me. And here's the invitation. My goodness, that's like the 20th time I've said the word invitation today you'd think I'm going to offer you an invitation when we're done with this text. Here's the invitation to Ahaz and to you. If you do not stand firm in your faith, guess what? You will not stand at all. In other words, Ahaz, I'm giving you an invitation to trust me, but if you do not place your faith in me, if you do not place your trust in my plan and my provision, you're not going to make it. Now that may seem like a pretty stark black and white offering, but I love how God is always with his people. The name Emmanuel means God with us. He is with his people in the good times and in the hardships. And where do we turn to next? I mean, the struggle is real for Ahaz. We're not going to beat up on Ahaz today. The struggle is real. He doesn't know who he can trust. There's global upheaval. Everybody's scrambling to make alliances, do what's best in their own mind. He doesn't know who he can trust. And he doesn't know who can come to his aid. So, like, he's got a legitimate problem. So, as we look at Scripture, and I've asked you, have you ever felt that way? God is with him in the midst of it and extending an invitation. Like, I'm not going to give you a plan and a strategy. What I want to know first, the first thing I want to know, is do you trust me? Do you trust me to take care of you? Do you trust me to provide for you? Now, here's the deal. Ahaz is the king of Judah, which are God's people. So you would think that the king who says the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob is who I worship would be listening for the voice of the Lord, but he, but he has to plead with him to do that. For some of us, maybe it's complacency, maybe it's busyness, maybe the hardness of our heart, or we've given our, our affections and our, our worship to other priorities in life. And and what the Lord's doing this morning is he's saying, come back to me. Come back to me because I know how this ends and I know how to take care of you better than anyone else or anything else you can devise on your own. Because the temptation here for Ahaz is, well, I'll just make alliances. I'll do what I think is best. And one of the realities is Proverbs 16, 25. I've shared this with you a couple of times. It's in Proverbs 14. It's in Proverbs 16, 25. It says, there's a way that seems right to a man. But the Bible says in the end, it doesn't lead where you think it is. It actually leads to your destruction. It could lead to your death, physically or spiritually. And, and it's okay to be scared. It's okay to be fearful. But the God of the universe is saying, if, if you just calm down and don't be afraid and trust me, I'll take care of you. So there's an invitation here. Now, now, this is a big deal for Ahaz. It'd be a big deal for anybody in the room. Like, you're asking me to humble myself, like to trust and yield governance of my life to you. What that means is you're asking me to take you at your word and to, and to humble myself, to submit to what you and your authority says. I know the word submission is not one that we readily just wake up and gravitate to or even properly understand. But the idea here, the call here for Ahaz is that if you will just... Humble yourself and be willing to trust the Lord and walk by faith even when you're fearful. My seminary president at my graduation ceremony years ago said, faith is being scared to death and trusting God anyway. I've never forgotten that. Seared into my heart and my mind. says, if you'll just trust me here. Now, it's, it's a legitimate struggle for Ahaz. But we're not here to talk about Ahaz, really. I'm painting you into the picture of Ahaz. We can all identify. We're here to talk about God. Here's what I love about God God could just smite him in this moment. You don't want to trust me on the spot? Like, you're done. He could do whatever he wanted, like, unbelievable. I'm revealing myself through the prophet Isaiah, and you just won't trust me. I can't believe this. I'm on to the next. As if God needed, he's already told Ahaz, I'll take care of you. As if he needed to give more assurance, I want you to keep reading with me. Look at what it says in verse 10. Look at what it says here in verse 10. Let, let's read 10 through, through a few more verses here for a moment. Then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz. And in verse 11, he says, ask for a sign from the Lord your God. It can be as deep as Sheol, or Hades, or as high as heaven. In other words, he says, I I tell you what, it's going to take a little bit more encouragement because as humans, we're like, I tell you what, God, if you'll do this, then I'll really believe you. Have you ever done that? I'll trust him if he just gives me one more sign or one more encouragement. I feel like if he does, all of us are going to ask for one more sign yet again. But as, I mean, how benevolent is God? You should trust me because I told you you could, but I tell you what, ask for anything in nature you want and I'll do it. That's a little bit fascinating, okay? This is a fascinating story in the Bible because what he is saying, a sign, okay, is simply symbolic. It's a representation of something else. Doesn't necessarily have to be miraculous, but it's a sign. I don't know how many of you remember Moses and the burning bush. Do you remember that miraculous sign? It it was God within the bush and it was a sign to Moses. He, He would definitely fulfill his promise to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. It was a sign, I don't know if you remember in the, in the book of Judges, little old Gideon. Gideon wants to know what the Lord's plan is. He lays out a fleece on the, on the ground, and he lays it out as a sign. He lays out the fleece, and the dew the next morning was only on the fleece and nowhere else like it normally is on the ground. He's like, this is a sign? So one of the realities is God is saying, ask me for anything in nature. like you, It could be as deep as hell or as high as heaven, and I'll do it to show you I'm God, and I can fulfill what I'm promising. It'd be like any any of these. Turn that tree into a nutcracker. Turn that garland into a Christmas present. Like it could be like I don't know what it was exactly that he might have asked for, but if he asked for it, God was going to do it. Now, one of the things that's interesting here is Deuteronomy six sixteen. In Deuteronomy, before God's people got into the Promised Land, He had told them, "Don't put your God to the test." Don't put your God to the test. Like, he's God, you don't stand there and say, prove your God to me. Like, you don't question him in that way. So one of the interesting things is, I want you to look at what Ahaz says in verse 12. But Ahaz replied, what? Is this not a fascinating story? This is better than binge-watching anything on Netflix. Okay? Like, look at this. But Ahaz replied, I, I will not ask. No way. I will not test the Lord. I know, there's, oh, Lord, there's no way I would test you. And some scholars say, well, maybe he truly was being humble. And scripture says, don't test the Lord. And so he's truly being pious. Look, if you've studied the life of Ahaz, he ain't listening to anything God's had to say, much less scripture. He ain't being like overly sincere in this. He's, he's hiding behind religion. Oh, I would never, I, I would never, I would never do that to you. Do you know what he's saying? This is crazy. This is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah, so let's just remove Isaiah. This is this is between God and Ahaz. God speaks to individual humans. He's doing it this morning. And he's saying, Ask me for a sign. And Isaiah, do you know what he's saying? Do you know what Ahaz is saying again? I, I, I'm gonna hide behind religion and I'm gonna play the game, but I don't really want your plan. Because deep down in my heart, it feels like that's that's so weak. I have to trust you, and that's hard for me. And if I do, I can't guarantee the outcomes. And what if I'm scared to have to step out in faith and trust you? And he's hiding behind religion. He's acting all religion. I would never do that. To simply say, I really don't want to do anything other than what I want to do. I want you to see something here. This is definitely an opportunity for Ahaz to demonstrate his obedience to the commands of God. If he is in relationship with God, then you would assume he would obey just because God said it. But one of the realities here, I don't know if you know this, but one of the realities here is it's about to get difficult for him. Look at what it says in verse 13. Isaiah said, listen, house of David, is it not enough for you to try the patience of men? Like, Isaiah's like, my gosh, you're exhausting, Ahaz. This is getting old, and I'm not even God. Will you also try the patience of my God? Like, you are walking into some dangerous territory here, brother. Verse 14. Therefore, since you won't trust him, there's been two invitations for you to trust him. Therefore, since you won't ask him, the Lord Himself's going to give you a sign. He's going to do what he's going to do. So God's going to go ahead and give you a sign because you wouldn't ask for it. See, the virgin will conceive and will have a son and will name him Emmanuel. Let me read that verse again. 700 years before the birth of Christ. Therefore, here's the sign God's going to give you to assure you that he is sovereign over all of human history, 700 B.C., 2022 A.D. Here's the sign you get seven centuries in advance. There will be a woman... She's not greatly described here, but we know now her name is Mary. There will be a woman. She will not sleep with a man. She will conceive. She's a virgin. Therefore, the sin condition of humanity will not be passed on to this child. She will conceive of the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son and will name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. means God with us. You know, I was reading this week, somebody said this quote. When, when, when you're thinking about it, I don't know how many parents can identify with this. When patience runs out and one is wearied by useless excuses and indecision, usually something negative is about to happen. Control of the situation is usually removed from the person causing the frustration and somebody else sets a new direction. That somebody else is God. And he says, you won't ask, I'll set a new direction for you. The reality is, I'm going to send you Emmanuel. And we know that Emmanuel is God with us. That's the incarnation of Christ. That's what we're lighting these candles to lead up to the Christ candle. 2,000 years ago, God enfleshed in full human form. Philippians chapter 2 is perhaps one of the most succinct, simple explanations. If you're not sure, like, what, what is Christmas all about and why do we celebrate the birth of Jesus? God, who is perfect. In him, It it took on the form of not only a servant, but a human in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus humbled himself, came to earth, fully God, which means he's never made a mistake. He is perfect. He's never sinned. Fully God, but still fully human, Emmanuel, God with us. And the reason that matters is is God is telling Ahaz, like, I've always been with you. I'm with you right now and talking to him. You won't trust me. I'm going to do something in the future where I will not only be with you and among you like through Jesus and us placing our faith in him, what happens when we place our faith in Jesus is the presence of the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our lives. The presence of the risen Jesus. Today, if you say, I want to respond to the invitation. What's going on in my life? I've tried everything. Or like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to run into what Ahaz did. So today, I'm going to hear the call to respond and trust God, and I'm going to place my faith in Emmanuel, Jesus. When you do that, God gives you his Holy Spirit inside of you. And during Ahaz's time, they had God with them and alongside of them. Sometimes I read stories in Old Testament, about that'd be awesome to be there and see this. You know what's even better on this side of the cross, A.D.? Is that because of the finished work of Emmanuel Jesus, when you place your faith in him and he takes up residence in your life, you not only have God with and alongside, you have God in you. Do, do you remember what we read last week? from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, that Isaiah just spouted off another one of these prophetic utterances about the coming Messiah. He will be wonderful God, mighty counselor, prince of peace, everlasting father. If Emmanuel be in you, then you can have the peace that we prayed for just a moment ago. If Emmanuel be in you, God not just with you, but God inside of you, his presence in you, then all of the counsel and all of the wisdom and all of what God is that we are not. He, in ways that he communicates those attributes with us, he shares those things with us so that you can have peace. I'm not lying to you. God's not lying to us. You can have peace no matter what you're facing. When you don't know where to turn or what to do, his name is Jesus. It's not me. It's not this guy. It's not this woman. It's Jesus, Emmanuel. Now, Now, for Ahaz, he's simply saying, Isaiah is saying in 700 years, God is going to produced this sign. And one of the things that he goes on to say is that this won't happen while you're alive here, but when it does happen, Ahaz, anyone who places their faith in Emmanuel, will have everything that God has been offering you right now, and you are rejecting, you're turning down, you won't respond to. God, in his incredible benevolence and in his generosity to us, time and time again speaks to us, knocks on the door of our heart, pleads with us to respond. Do you want to trust me? I made you. I know you best and love you most. Do you want to allow me to lead you? And do you remember what he said over here just a moment ago? If you don't stand firm in your faith, if you do not walk by faith, you will not make it. You may do well for a while, but eventually you will start to wobble and teeter, and you'll find yourself in a moment like Ahaz, where you're scared and you're fearful. And one of the things God does on a Sunday morning is he wakes us up. His Holy Spirit gives us the strength to get dressed, to get in the car, to be reminded, he is our God and we are his people. And if we would cease striving and respond to the invitation to trust him, things would go so much better for us. And ultimately, if you place your faith in Emmanuel, Jesus, because of what God's accomplished through him on the cross, you can have eternal life in Christ. Life and flourishing shalom like you've never known before. That's really what he's offering here to Ahaz. And one of the reasons that I wanted to emphasize invitation so much is I'm going to give you an invitation to trust God today. I think it would be so inappropriate with a text like this, on a moment like this, the worship was so powerful, the the, the fellowship is so sweet, the text is so poignant it would be ministerial malpractice not to offer you an invitation to trust God. So, so here's what I'm going to invite you to do. In just a moment, let me invite the worship team and, and the deacons to, to, to these tables. In just a moment, I'm going to give you an invitation to come to these tables. Now how sweet is it that just a few days before Christmas we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper together. You're going to notice the deacons go into these tables, and you're going to notice the band moving around. Don't be distracted by that. They need to get in place. But at these tables, there are bread and there are cups of juice. And that's symbolic. That is a sign, symbol, not the actual blood and body of Christ, but it is symbolic of what Emmanuel did for you on the cross. Born, we sing this and we smile, born to die. That's like depressing, okay? Like, do you think about that? Born for the purpose of dying to give you peace, and counsel, and hope, and joy. That's why we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper this morning. So in just a moment, I'm going to invite you, if you're in the back half of the room, to make your way to those tables. In the front half, you can come to these tables. But, But I want to say something. Jesus himself, Emmanuel, was very clear that the Lord's Supper, you may know it in your tradition if you grew up, and it was called communion, these tables are for those who have trusted God by placing their faith in Jesus Christ. So if you're a follower of Jesus, this is your opportunity to come to the table and profess your trust and your belief in him. You're not going to be asked to say anything at the table. We're going to give you an Ahaz moment. Just, Just come and be quiet. I say that in a sincere, like, nice way. Come and be quiet. The deacons will say, this is the body of Christ broken for you or the cup of Christ shed for you. You'll receive those elements, and then you'll make your way back to your seat where you can pray and talk to Emmanuel. You can thank him for what he's done for you to bring you peace to bring you joy, to bring you hope. But if you're in this room and you have never placed your faith in Emmanuel and you haven't been able to figure it out on your own and you don't know where to look for help and you can't really trust anybody, then you are looking for Emmanuel, whether you knew it or not. And he's here this morning. It's the person of Jesus Christ by the power of his Holy Spirit if you would like the peace of Jesus and to flourish in whatever you are facing now or will ever face, then give your life to Jesus Christ in the next few moments. That's an invitation. Repent of your plans and yourself and your sinfulness and come to Jesus. And then confidently and joyfully walk to these tables and let these men remind you of what you are worth to God. Let me do this. Let me pray for us. And these tables will be open to you, but listen, you're supposed to do something today. Can't answer that for you. Give your life to Christ. Decide to serve him in a way he's been prompting your life. Come to these tables, whatever it is. I'm pleading with you to do what God's inviting you to do over the next few moments. God, we thank you for all you have done for us in Emmanuel. When we're scared, when we're concerned, when we don't know where to turn, I mean, my goodness, our world is confused. Our world is broken. Our world, it is beautiful and there's much love, but our world is in need of Emmanuel. That's the answer. So let it start with your church first, our declaration that there is a God and his name is Jesus. And we profess our belief in him. And we thank you for the peace and the hope and the joy that only Jesus can provide. This church belongs to you. This moment belongs to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When you're ready, make your way to the tables and the deacons will serve you.